podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, we are live. Wow. That was uh, a weird game in many ways, wasn't it? It was. It was one of those... It was a bit like the Wolves game a few weeks ago where you feel comfortable, but you know what could happen. But um, against a team that, that's done us over a few times at home now, take it. Look. 2-0, three points, wrap it up. Should have been six. Take yeah. performance any day of the week. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll get into into all of that. But I think a lot of people forget that Brighton are a real bogey team for us at home. Yeah. There are For some reason, they managed to just raise their game against us. That game at the end of last season almost felt symptomatic of the run-in. So um, I'm just I'm just grateful we uh we we got the result. So we'll wait for the uh the room to fill up a little bit. It's 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 join it, it's coming good. 375, 400 in the room. Oh hello. That's looking good. Pedro Happy. is at the game. He sent me um some hot takes that I've included in. Um and then Johnny is he's at a family Christmas do. Hopefully he's found a way to get the game on in the background and manage it somehow. Hopefully he got to he got to see what was a good game. But interesting some of the perspectives from Pedro, who was live in the ground today. A couple that uh we're gonna we're gonna dig into. Um it probably... feels like a bit of a uh, early family Christmas, do, isn't it? You just want to get through unscathed, really. I know, I know. Well that's what last week felt like. It felt like we we, we went to a Christmas party and we didn't get away unscathed. No, had a few too many. Peaked too early. Exactly right. Well, five hundred in the room. James Curry saying, "I'm hopefully hopefully going to lead the line like Gabby Jesus." I thought he was fantastic today. He was he was sensational. We are a different team when Gabby Jesus is in the team. Um, okay, let us. I think it's that time. Good morning and well, ah, oh, that was always going to happen, wasn't it? That was always going to happen. I'm not normally put in control of <laughs> uh, of all the brand assets, uh, but I know some of the loopers do love it. Do do think that it means that something magical might be coming when we loop. So we got the loop this morning, um, a bit like the performance. Uh, it was yep. Derek King says a looper. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was. Um, that was a bit of a balls up, but um, right. Well, fantastic result. Well, Ash, uh, thank you for joining us today. As we oh, said, Pedro and, uh, and and Johnny, uh, they're on. They they're broken for Christmas early, basically. You know, like those players who try and get books the week before Christmas so they can miss the game and spend it with their family. But I'm very grateful for you to join. What I think did they're, they're in Panto? Really, I think that's what they are. Maybe. I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, good game. Enjoyed it? Uh, yeah, look, profligate in front of goal. I think we can all admit that. But actually a very enjoyable performance. I think um, one through 11 on the park, very little wrong there. Um, sort of, you know, I'd say everyone averaged at least a seven and a half, some beyond that. Um, good to get that three points wrapped up against the bogey team. Um, but yeah, look, 
Um, it was nice to get that momentum off a, off a league loss. I know we had the Champions League midweek, but that was a bit of a, uh, a silly, uh, sort of a weird fixture, just given the nature of who was there and, and how we played. Um, and momentum into what is a massive, massive game next weekend. Oh, God, I can't even... But I don't think really I can deal need with that. that momentum. Really need that momentum now. Uh, yeah. and, and that performance, I think. Yeah, I was... Um, it was about 80 minutes in, and... Um, and I was thinking, like you said, you, you said there wasn't anyone under a seven and a half. I was thinking there wasn't really anyone under an eight. There was Gabriel was playing through balls. Zinchenko was unreal. All of our front three, uh, phenomenal. Declan Rice, 10 out of 10. And then suddenly I just got very, very nervous about 82, 83 minutes. And then it all culminated in that mischance by Brighton that there was something about the way the ball hit the side netting that it looked like the back of the net had rippled oh, and Brighton were one all with five minutes to go. And I feel like we've seen that movie a million times. How did you feel? Did you? Yeah, I feared the worst as well. Because if you think about the last three or four games, um, it's only taken the kind of only shot on goal or one of only two shots on goal for the opposition to score against us, actually. Because we are, actually, we have a solid foundation. So when they get through, they're genuinely getting through. I, I don't think it's because we're a bad team. Uh, and at that moment, I thought that was it. I really did. Um, but look, a um, minute later, up the other end, fantastic goal from Kai, I thought, actually. We're uh, going to get all into talking about King Kai. I'll tell you what, a few of us, we're eating humble Kai at the moment because this guy is is absolutely cooking. But speaking of absolutely... Hottest of takes. Hottest of takes. Three hottest of takes. The AOP, hottest of takes. Make it spicy. Ash, we're going to you first. I want I want you to make it extra, extra spicy for it me. Is, well, for me, this is, uh, I know we're in thick of it, in the thick of it in December, in the Christmas run, but for me, this was the summer sizzler. And I'll Ooh. tell you why. This game was made in the summer. This was the story of Declan Rice joining Arsenal Football Club and Moises Caicedo leaving Brighton Football Club. And I think if you look at Caicedo's performance earlier in the year at the Emirates, after we didn't get him in January. And then you look at the way Declan played today. I think that's the real story for me. Um, about five minutes into the second half, uh, I kind of sort of sat down and I was sitting there thinking, we've got to try something. Could we go more attacking? Could we go through at the back? And then you just realise, well, just move Declan further forward. It's just fine. And look at what happened. I just thought that's the, that was the hottest it takes for me. Um, I know there's plenty of other good stuff to talk about on the park, but I think everything he did moved us in the right direction. I can't believe it. You've taken my hottest of takes. <laughs> Someone in the Discord, um, I will find out and give them props for that, was talking about Declan Rice saying, Declan Rice is our best player, full stop. And that is a staggering thought, considering we've got Bakayo Saka, William Saliba, Martin Erdegaard, and to think that we've brought someone in who's better than all of them. But it's difficult to disagree. And I think he has that ability to, to drive us on. Um, but my hottest of takes is um I'm gonna be I'm gonna be slightly it was I was a five-star performance, and we're gonna get into that. But we cannot, we have to resolve this profligacy because I think it's turning into more of a feature of our play rather than a bug. It has been happening all season. There has not been a single team who's been able 
to outplay us, even for 10 minutes of a game. Every single game, we've absolutely dominated our opponent. We've given them nothing. We've XG'd them to death. And yet somehow we're not able to um, create enough clear-cut chances. We're not able to convert the decent chances that we have. And you really fear for it because you just saw how it can turn out. We saw what happened to Manchester City yesterday. We saw what nearly happened to us today. I don't know what the answer is. I know the obvious answer is to sign a striker. But how, do you, how does that work? Because Gabby Jesus is playing phenomenally well as our number nine. It's Bakaya Saka, you can't replace him. He's unbelievable. But, you know, his finishing was wayward today. It, was, it looked sort of uh, fatigued. And then Gabby Martinelli. So I'm interested on, on what you think about the, the profligacy and whether you think, is it just one of those things that actually someone's just going to catch a 5-0 off us and then it'll, it'll all switch? Or is there something systemic going on? Um, I, I keep wrestling with the same same thing here because we've had the 5-0. We had a 6-0 a few weeks ago, by the way. Right? All That's true. That's true. Right? We've had a couple of these games already where it's just landed. Today was a different one for me because I think we had so many chances. I think I think when you really look at the numbers, they didn't have any meaningful possession until the eighth minute, by which time we could have been three up. And frankly, we should have been three up. We should have been two up after the first minute and a half. Yeah. Think about it. Um, and, you know, you do have these days sometimes, but you're right. It is becoming more of a feature than a buck. Um, now... The buying the striker thing and the dropping Gabby Jesus, and I think we are going to have to find a way to play differently. And I do think over time we do need a different different style of play up top. I do think we need that big man kind of play. But I do wonder, um, and I know we're going to get to King Kai, that this the thing that's shifted my thinking or made me question in the last couple of weeks is I hadn't really picked up that maybe the Harvard-Jesus relationship was going to be pretty interesting in this team. And I think as that develops, this is what, they're only their third start together. And he scored again. Um, I think as that develops, whether the goals will start to come a bit more for those two. And whether we see those two as a 30 goals between them kind of set up. But that said, still not enough, is it? We still need another, we still need another way. Well, if King Kai and Gabby Jesus get 30 goals between them, I think that will do fine, personally. Well, look, um, still need to get their 10-15 like they did last year. But I, I do think it's an interesting point that Gabby Jesus could be the big unlock for King Kai. I haven't really been thinking about it like that, but he certainly does. He certainly has come into his own. And what has been, when you look at the variables and why that's happened, Gabby Jesus coming into the team obviously makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting because he can almost become like a second deeper striker. And he was often compared to Berbatov, uh, to Dennis Bergkamp. Let's go easy on that one for now. <laughs> Robin Van Persie. But he has that ability to just play yeah. behind the striker. And a lot of people have said, well, 4-4-2, little and large, that doesn't really happen anymore. But maybe it can in, I mean, Arteta plays 38 different formations per game after all. So there's no reason why in certain game states, he it, we almost become like a 4-4-2. I tend to agree. Um, and I do think those two players seem to be enjoying playing with one another. And I think that's a really, really, really strong thing. I think the thing that we're, the, the, I think the thing that we think about when we talk about that big man is someone to come, 
running into i mean we we put in a lot of crosses and it felt like we were missing a lot of tap-ins today and i'm not sure that the big guy gives you that i think you've got to have different runners in different styles um yeah and i think maybe that's a that's a feature of that but um yeah look it's going to be it's going to be an interesting few weeks i don't think we're going to spend anything massive in january in that area so this is what we've got for the season it's what we've got and um but we not look. None of us saw uh, Kai Havertz coming good earlier on in the season, and I know that we're going to all have. We're all going to become revisionists. We're all going to say, "Well, no, I wasn't anti-Kai. I just uh, I, I knew it was going to take time." We, we none of us could see anything, uh, yeah. and now suddenly it's 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 flowing. You can see it, right? Yeah, we wandered it in eight games. It took twelve. Shit happens. That's how it goes sometimes, right? Um, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I thought he was fantastic today. <laughs> I yeah. thought he, I thought it was a great performance. I mean, like everyone, but I thought him, you know what you know what was, the way he went off and the way he was actually leaning hard on Mikel for the high five rather than the other way round. Like that was a really good sign for me. That you was, know what? You know one thing. To enjoy himself. I, he looks like he's enjoying himself. Yeah. One thing I will say that he needs to improve on. Did you see that slide after the goal? The, the sort of celebratory slide towards the corner flag. It looked very oh, awkward. Oh, it yeah. Didn't, it didn't look like a Bakai Saka knee slider and Emil Smith row. It looked like he wasn't particularly well versed in it. But uh, long may it continue, right? Exactly, yeah. Just don't do the knee in. <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. Well, let's get into um, the performance. It was a five star performance, ultimately. Um, absolutely everyone um, phenomenal. We'll get into uh, some of the players, but I think we had about 30 shots on goal in the end, which was incredible. Did you know that Brighton had not failed to score in 31 games prior to today? We are the first team to completely nullify them, which I think maybe that's almost more interesting than, than what was going on at the other end. Because one thing that Brighton can do is score goals, even when they lose. They had nothing today. What was the secret to that, do you think? Um, I felt, look, I, th this is their first time doing the Thursday, Sunday thing. And I, I mm. do think there's definitely a huge, huge part of that that was, um, that was at play here. I mean, they had a tough game Thursday as well. Um, and then travel, I know Brighton to London's not exactly a, a, a massive hike, but you know, match day preparations, all those kinds of things. I think I think they're actually suffering a bit from that. I think they're also still figuring out how to play with the... I mean, these guys do change. I mean, they sell two to three key players a year, don't they? So it takes them a bit of time to, to bed in. And I think the difference between last season and this season for them is, let's not forget, it was about this time last year that Deserby had just been appointed. So anyone joining this summer has got to learn his new system. I think he plays you know, way, way closer to, to the complexity that we do than Graham Potter did for that, for that thing. So I think there were always going to be, um, um, there was always going to be that challenge for them there uh, with a team like us coming off the back of a defeat, um, knowing that we're going for top spot um, with Liverpool playing, a, you know, in a, in a little while. So I think for them, there was always going to be that. I think the, the thing for me that was impressive about us was just how we came running out, out the gates. Actually, we have been accused of being slow starters at home. We've seen us concede those early goals at home. Um, 
I just thought we got straight into them. And I thought, I think James Milner's going to have nightmares about Bukayo Saka. Oh, and we're going to get into that because I thought there was some terrible refereeing performances. But I want to lean into this this question because we were talking a little bit about coming out of the blocks early and um, and and trying to to get the crowd riled up and and behind the team early on. But interestingly, Pedro sent me a few hot takes um, around certain players. But one of the hot takes, no one's going to want to hear this, is. His, in his words, the atmosphere was absolutely pony. So if you think about it, and he said that the whole time the players are asking the fans for more atmosphere, for more noise, to get behind the team. And at the moment, the atmosphere has trans- transformed from what it was last season. Is it just expectation? I mean... That's probably the biggest reason. But why have we gone from the best atmosphere at home back in time to the Highbury Library inside a year? Um, I, I, do we think it's been like that at every game? I'm. I mean, I think there's been, probably been. I think there's pro- obviously been right. moments against. You know, when the, the roof came off when we scored against Manchester City, the roof came off against Manchester United. But I think. What struck everyone? We were there at the last game of the season. Yeah. When last, and everyone in the lower tier standing up the entire game, um, knowing you're not going to win the league, but everyone behind the team from the first minute. Every game was, you know, everyone singing, no empty seats. Yeah. And so, you know, this is, we're going for the title. It's a festive game. We're playing Brighton, who have been a well, bogey team. Yeah. I love, What's it I, all about? I, yeah, I don't disagree. This is that the thing that surprised me, and I do again. You and I know this, right? Going out for a few beers before a game on a Sunday, two p.m. is a it's a shit show, right? Like you want you do want like Sunday four, so you can get to the pub at lunchtime, have a a nice good old session, then back out again, or um, you know, a later game on a Saturday. I think there's probably an element of that, but it, that shouldn't have happened today. It's the last game before Christmas, so you'd expect people to be meeting up for the pre-holiday. Whatever, unless people are doing it for the West Ham game, I suspect. But um, I, I don't know. I do think there's an expectation thing. I do think um, there's a nerves thing. I think um, I think last year, let's not forget, none of us were expecting that last year. There was a complete kind of shock that that happened. Um, and it wasn't that we were getting better. It was just the way that it just switched so fundamentally. Um, it just clicked. It was like all of a sudden something's happened. And now I do think there's an element of expectation. Um, uh, you know, that's hard to say. But I, I, I do agree. You could see, I've never seen the players really join the crowd up like that. I mean, you could see it quite obviously on television. That early in the game, like on the half hour mark, Zinni over at the corner flag, giving it large before, you know, a set piece was was pretty, um, pretty... In the, the other thing was that said, it wasn't really a controversial game. I know we'll talk about the refing, and I've got my beef on a few things there, but um, there was nothing for the crowd to get riled up about. No, there was like complete and utter domination, and ultimately, yeah, and, I th- and I think that plays its part in a game. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't there wasn't a tackle or a moment. Well, there was probably only one real moment in the first half, yeah. and that was really um, that passage of play where. James Milner, I mean, Kai Saka had him on toast all of the first half. It was absolutely embarrassing. Kai Saka looked like a ballerina at times. <laughs> he was just dancing past him. 
And then James Milner literally, it was it was just like a little reducer that he came in and it was literally a don't make a fool out of me. I'm letting you know I'm yeah. there. Yeah. And it's it was so obvious. And for the ref not to book him, I thought was absolutely staggering. There'd been a couple of sort of close 50-50 challenges. He'd done them a few times. He'd given away a few fouls. I thought that was obvious enough. It was a professional foul. He, he saw him over his leg. He literally stuck his leg out and I kind of saw him over his leg. It happens, right? But it's a yellow card. It's got to be. It's got to um, be. And I think, I actually think if he gives that yellow card, maybe the floodgates do open a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think he was too worried about changing the game state well, significantly. And you saw, by the way, what they were doing. You saw that actually, as Saka went further around the outside, oh, hello, everyone. Um, mm-hmm. uh, as Saka went around the outside, he and Duffy were actually, Duffy was coming across and they were switching places and trying to double up. I mean, they couldn't control him, to be fair. No, and then look, the minute they lost it on the other side, when, um, uh, what's his name, had to come on, uh, the, the kid who did yeah. well fair against uh, Martinez. What's his name? He Hinch- did do well. He did do well. Hinch- I mean, that, that Hinchelwood rather, sorry. Um, yeah. But but then, and then, and then there was a moment, so he didn't get booked. A few moments later, um, Mitoma bursts sort of on the break. Ben White pulls him back. I think that's a yellow card. A few people saying, yeah. oh, that's not a yellow. It's a clear yellow. Yeah. The reason it was aggravating was because we'd just seen a clear yellow for... James Milner. And then finally, there was another uh, foul, this time by a Brighton player or an Arsenal player. I can't remember. It was was Matoma. Yeah, yeah, again. And I think everyone in the stadium saw that that wasn't going to be given until Mikel Arteta made a fuss. Mikel Arteta started waving his arms around. It was clear that he had to, he didn't want to book him, but he booked him. And then he booked Mikel Arteta. Yeah, it happened I right mean, in front of Mikel, actually. It was Matoma on Saka. Yeah it, was, yeah. it was a very similar pull to the one that White actually had on Matoma, to be fair. It was a and, he got it, and he, and he did get a yellow for it, but he wasn't going to give it. No, he, he wasn't, wasn't going to give it. He'd already, he'd already blown up, planted his feet, pointed for the free kick, and was literally turning to go when he saw some commotion start. And then he heard the crowd. It, it did feel like that. That I know that's a, a really slowed down version of probably what happened in half a second or so. But it felt like, certainly from the TV that you and I were watching, that he was going to walk away from that. Absolutely. And this is the problem because it does feel like of late, referees are becoming more and more influenced by what is happening and the atmosphere in grounds. I think you saw, um, I think Newcastle were playing Fulham yesterday and the Fulham... Uh, coach uh, Silver said um, this referee was just totally intimidated by the atmosphere and was just every time they fell, every time we fell, we didn't get any, we, we didn't get anything. Every time they were fouled, they got something. I think you saw it today. I think if you, you know, you're seeing a referee who's being influenced by what's going on beyond what he can see. So definitely um, a little bit concerning. Other than that, I mean, I thought he was pretty useless first half. The ref. But again, he didn't really have much to do. No. I mean, there was there, there weren't any uh, penalty claims. There weren't was, any. You know what? We didn't have a single. V- I'm pretty confident we didn't have a single use of VAR in that game today. 
That is, I mean, that could have been a hot take. I don't think there was a single VAR either. I wonder. No. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a game without VAR. Well, good to uh, we will, we will, we will have to have to have a look. Maybe that's why it was enjoyable to watch. It wasn't all stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. So, ref, um, pretty average. Um, the Arteta booking. I mean, is is there a vendetta against him? Yeah. You don't think there is? Or you think no, I do. Yeah. I did. Yeah. And look, until we get to the point of of fixing refereeing, I'm not blaming referees. I'm not asking referees to fix refereeing. I think it's a collective effort. Um, and refs are humans, so they're going to have human reactions. Yeah, they are going to get riled by 60,000 people shouting at them. Any fucking human would. Like, of course. So... Until we create the right environment for these guys to succeed, right? It's never going to work. Mm. That's a combination of the Premier League, the Football Association, Pogmol, and to some extent in the way that we can be involved, fans, right? Have got to resolve this because everyone's blaming everyone else on all of this shit. Yeah. And ultimately... The reason we see this level of frustration from coaches and managers is they're at the coalface and they're the ones that lose their jobs. You and I don't lose our season tickets. We don't lose our fandom. We don't lose the shirt we bought last week. We feel a bit shitty. We've got a talking point at the pub, right? The Premier League doesn't lose anything. I mean, it loses a bit on its reputation. The TV guys get more shit to talk about. After all, they don't want to talk about this stuff. I've been in that world you know, quite a lot of my life. Until we get this resolved and put them in the right environment, it's not going to get solved. And leaving each individual group to do it isn't going to help it. Yep, yep. So we heard uh, there was one moment. uh, Midwest Gun, thank you for that. They use VAR to review Matoma against Ben White falling in the box. No delay, though. So a little bit of VAR done well. Uh, I'm amazed they, they didn't find something against us. It feels like every time VAR... When you look hard enough at anything, you'll always be able to find something. It sort of feels like. Um, but uh, they need, Doug Wagner says they need chat GTP to replace VAR. Interesting, uh, interesting take. I wonder if there there is something, an opportunity to modernize oh, the system. I do think there is. I actually fundamentally believe changing the technology and how it's operated will will be the where we end up. How soon that can happen remains to be seen. Yeah. Exactly. Mr. Bain says, great win today. Now we can sit back and enjoy Liverpool versus Manchester United. We will be talking about that. But before we talk about that, let's dig into um, into a few players and some of those performances today. And the first one that I want to talk about is David Raya, because he's another player like Kai Havertz, who we've been a little bit unsure about what we've seen. Um, he has been vulnerable. He's made uh, quite a few errors. I don't think there's any debate about that. The Aaron Ramsdale conversation has been relentless, um, although it does seem to be quieting somewhat. We managed to break Aaron Ramsdale's confidence, so it doesn't really feel like there's competition anymore. But I have to say that today, and there was one moment aside when he nearly threw it into his own goal, which we will talk about. But other than that, I thought his performance as almost an auxiliary centre-half was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, um, and his distribution was incredible. Uh, his bravery—he was playing forty yards from goal at times. 
Yeah. Um, there was I'm... a couple of moments where the ball is just launched towards him and he brings it down. If that was Martinelli, you'd go, what a wonderful touch, you know? And so I did see today, bar that one moment where he nearly threw the ball in his own net, a very, very improved, mature performance. And maybe it's because of the opposition we're playing against, but I saw the reason we've signed him. Yeah, look, I, I think the opposition we're playing against absolutely allows him to play like that. And I don't think... Uh, he, he didn't play a large part of that game in goal. <laughs> Let's just be honest, right? Um, you and I are... Well, I'm definitely old enough. You're probably almost getting there. But, um, you know, the Italian term libero kind of came into my mind for a lot of that game for the way he was playing. I thought it's phenomenal. Um, I can see why he's done it. I can completely see why he's done it. Now... I don't want to get into the how we've got here and all that kind of crap because we'll be here for weeks and probably end up in tears um, and uh, in a worse than worse situation than our goalkeepers are. But um, yeah, I thought I thought that was I thought that was a display of wide ball team today. And I thought this was an interesting point. Raya and Rice, the big tactical shift says social joins. Brighton couldn't press us because of Raya and Rice just monster at recovery. We don't often talk about that. We're all always more focused on ability to claim crosses, big saves. But I thought he really, it was the first time, like, we've sort of been joking a little bit about, yeah. you know, the extra centre-half. And it's like, well, who cares about an extra centre-half when you can't keep the ball out in the net? But today, um, you really, you really, you really did see it. But this is what you want from him, right? A really boring game where this is the conversation. Yep. I mean, ultimately... That's what we want. And, you know, the other thing you mentioned it at the very beginning of your show, mate, which was some of the balls that Gabrielle was playing and actually big Bill Saliba as well. That that doesn't happen without that, by the way. You know, it doesn't. Those it doesn't. guys, the way they were able to join into attack to again get Declan. We talk about, you know, that, that front five had the joint head in front of goal today because of actually what was going on behind. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, another another L for those who claim Mikel Arteta didn't know what he was doing. I feel like this Ramsdale Raya debate is nearing a conclusion, although it's only a, a, one mistake away from bubbling up, and we're in an absolute cauldron um, next week. But um, let's come on to another player um, who actually it was uh, his birthday today, Martin Erdegaard. He was playing like it was his birthday. He was absolutely. Phenomenal, I thought. A real return to form after a couple of big misses last week. But the one area he was profligate today was his goal scoring. Tell us a bit about what you thought of his performance. Um, I thought, again, an, an absolute masterclass in that position. I thought there were moments of absolute world-class genius in there. That ball for Saka to run on oh. from the outside of his left foot was... Um, I, I just yeah, I stick that on a bedroom wall kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like that was outstanding. He didn't even have to break stride, did he? He just ran straight onto it. I, I think there's a couple of things with his uh, with the goal with the goal uh, scoring stuff. Uh, you, you were joking me saying he needs a right foot. I think I think that's fair. But um, I think teams have have seen what he's capable of and are, are defending defending against him slightly differently. In fact, two of his shots were really well blocked from defenders throwing themselves uh, in the line. I think Lewis Dunk caught one in the face. He got one. Abs oh, yeah. Absolutely. Someone got one in the bollocks as well, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. So I think it's a bit of that. I think the second thing is um, you'll see in, from 
more recently, and this happened certainly against Villa, where where he likes to shoot from, actually, he's seeing more crowds. So he's actually having to come round out of traffic and back across goal a bit more. Yeah. I think there was a bit of that. Um, but I also, and, you know, the keeper had a great game. Look, another day he, he gets a hat-trick. Um, I, I just think it was one of those days. I don't think we're sitting here criticising him for putting him... All he can do is put himself in those positions and get the shot away, and he's been doing that. Uh, and I think that's all he can ask for. It will. It, one of those days it will come. And we've seen it before, right, when he gets two or three like that. Well, I think the staggering thing is how we're... I mean, we're currently top of the league, um, although that may change in the next couple of hours. But yet, yeah, Martinelli, I think, two Premier League goals this season. Erdegaard, not as many Premier League goals as he had last season. We're missing a lot of output from our front players, but it feels like they're doing everything right. It's just not quite happening for them. And you'd have to say, if you're looking at the season as a whole, you would expect them to be increasing their their output in the second half of the season. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I think it's also worth remembering we're talking about Premier League goals here. Um, all those players have made meaningful goal contributions in the Champions League, a competition we weren't in last year, um, which is a different level and a different intensity, and they're turning up and popping them in there. Um, you know, we were playing very differently in the Europa a year ago. So I don't think we can read too much into that. I think um look. The most important stat there is we're top of the league. <laughs> right yeah, we got there. The goal difference is healthy. It's you know it's on a par with the, the top teams around us. Um, you know we we ignore the three we ship against Luton, and we are fucking hard to score against. Like we really are. We don't yeah. even, uh, uh, Luton aside. Before the Luton game, we'd only conceded three goals away from home all season. Yeah, that's all. Uh, that's uh, all true. And, and do we want to win the league by going out and scoring five against sort of tier two, tier three, tier four teams every week and then losing yes. the teams against us? Or do we want to beat everyone one or two nil and fucking take it? I'm look, if it's got a Premier League shaped thing that someone's holding at the end of the season, I'll take whichever. That is true. That is true. So let's talk a bit about Gabby Jesus, uh, Pete. And it was, he sent a few hot takes. For us, one of which was that the atmosphere was absolutely uh, pony. Uh, another one was that Jesus absolutely world class. Um, he comes under a lot of criticism, doesn't he? Mainly for the for the lack of goals. But uh, are we trying? Are we even trying to replace him, or are we just trying to find another tool to go into our toolbox? I think it's another tool, isn't it? Because um, the I think it's really different when you see him in playing in person than when you see him on television. I don't know if you felt that. I was I saw him quite early on in his Arsenal career. I was at the sort of first half dozen games at the beginning of last season before the um before the World Cup. And I think um you just don't realise how much he, he is doing off the ball. But I mean I'm not talking about pressing or when we're in, in transition, I'm talking about actually an attack. Uh, and the places he appears in, and the the way he draws defenders, I think, I think he's a. I don't think I've seen a player like him actually. Is that fair? I mean, is he Alexis Sanchez in terms of the hustle and bustle? Yeah, I think. Do you know if he had a number seven on his shirt, that wouldn't surprise me. I think that's a very fair point. 
Yeah, maybe he's more seven than nine, but we've all got a phenomenal number seven, which is... Yeah, um, I mean, you know what I mean by that. But the, I um... do, I do. But we've got a phenomenal number seven in Bakai Saka. What do we think about... I mean, I thought he was absolutely world-class in the first half. Like, I just thought I... it was efficiency personified. He he faded a little, um, but, uh, you know, what, what, what did you make of... Uh, of his performance and and was it was it was it worthy of the of the world class status that we've bestowed upon him? I think so. I think it, I think today when you're playing against a team like that with you know the level of possession we had and the way we were playing, he's those are the days he's got to he's got to excel and he's got to show you that he's even better than the guys having the eights and the nines out of ten. You know, and and I think he showed that. Um, for me. I think this is a this is a great 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 performance going into uh, into a into a game where Liverpool he's typically had good opportunities against and I, I can see this you know look, Liverpool are a good side going forward but we know that this is the type that we know they concede goals and I think if he can if he can actually provide some torture in the way that he did today uh, and you know. Look, James Milner was on a hiding to nothing. He's a guy sort of playing out of position who's 37 years old. And I think he's been a great player in most of his career, uh, irrespective of where he's played. But um, I, th- I think Saka is world-class, and that's what world-class players will do. They'll have you for toast the minute they get a look. And that's what yeah. happens. So we've been singing the praises of the majority of the team. Um, interestingly, a couple of... No one's really come in for any criticism. I mean, no one did anything wrong. One player who maybe people are a little bit concerned about um is Ben White um i think there was the moment the moment where we nearly conceded Mitoma sort of got the better of him running outside him um wasn't necessarily a mistake but it was certainly there was a vulnerability there i think we all remember Mitoma really destroying Ben White last season at home he doesn't like playing against raw pace um next week he's going to have uh a very, very, some very, very tough games up against Diaz and Salah uh, and those lot all running towards him. Uh, is there a vulnerability there? Is he uh, not that fit at the moment? Uh, some people saying he might have a knock. Um, like, what do we do? We think there's a concern because obviously Tommy Yasu had made that position his own, and now Ben White's come in. He just looks slightly, slightly cold. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Let's go back a few weeks. Um, you're right, Tommy had made that position his own. I think if Tommy's fit, he starts today. I really yep. do. Um, but we did bring Ben back, do you remember? A little bit yep. earlier than we'd thought because Tommy then gets injured. So I think he's probably been rushed back. He's not a player that typically does get injured, so he's probably not had many recoveries or or things like that that he's had to, to work around a lot in his career. Um, he's still very young. We forget he's in, you know, was he 24? 25 yeah. like that. So I think there's a combination of those things. Um, but it helps when Matoma barely gets the ball because we've just bossed it all the way through the middle of the park anyway. So it's the other way of dealing with it. And then one other player who is coming under, and you know, this isn't about criticizing, it's just about trying to identify areas for improvement. But I didn't see this necessarily, but a lot of people are commenting it. So I do believe there's something in it. A lot of people talking about uh, Gabriel Martinelli's 
final ball and end product. I personally think he's one of those players who's just an absolute terror. And, you know, there is some wastage in his game, but part of that is because he's a high-risk player. Um, he's less efficient than Bakai Saka. He's more a captain of chaos. But does he need to do something? Does he need to be working on that final ball and trying to improve end product? And, and, and what do you think? I'm sure he is. And I, I like the way that you said agent of terror and chaos. And actually, I thought some of the positions he appeared in today were, were, were phenomenal. He was yeah. on the right. He was in the middle of the park. He was coming deep. He was, out, you know, sort of, um, he really was dragging the team in different directions. Um, I, I think that's what it is. I think he has higher productivity than other players. And therefore, there's going to be a higher failure rate if you kind of want to want to see that. I think, I just, I literally can't wait. Uh, this thing with Trent next weekend and Liverpool and whether he's going to play, come in field and invert like we do. I think Martinelli could have some apps. And we know, we know, they, you know, we know what Klopp thinks of him. We know what he likes doing up there. I'm sorry. I just think Trent is such a phenomenal player. And it's like Mart Martinelli could have a brilliant game going forward, but Trent could score like he did against yeah. Manchester City. I, know. I mean, this is, absolutely... this is the interesting thing about the whole thing, right? But um, I, um, I I think Martinelli is that player and I think he's going to be that player. And I think um, I think he gets more licence than, than, say, Saka does on the other side because of it. Um, they're very different kinds of player as well. But this, this kid, I mean, look, I, I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. I think he can get better. I'm sure these are all the things he's working on. I don't think he's sitting there trying to do all these things. I just, I don't think he's been less effective than he has been before for us either. So we're about 20 minutes in to uh, what we're recording this live uh, to the Liverpool-Manchester United game. Nil-nil still there. It sounds from the comments like Manchester United doing their best to throw it away. Uh, yeah, I've got it. I've got it on uh, in the distance over there, and I was—I uh, just saw the stats that um, Liverpool have about seven, seventy plus percent possession. Uh, yeah, it's a Liverpool Man United game, so anything can happen. But I think we would be unwise to. Uh, uh, There's more in hope than expectation, I would say. But yesterday, um, Crystal Palace defied expectation by snatching a point in Manchester City. They only had two shots one of them a penalty in the 95th or 96th minute that they converted. Um, tell us a bit about uh, where you think the biggest level of competition is coming from, given that Manchester City, I mean, there's two two insane stats to me. One is just the, the form they're on. I mean, it's unlike what you'd ever expect from Manchester City. But the crazy thing about it is how close they are to the rest of the pack, despite being in this terrible run of form that I find quite terrifying. We're, we're only five points above them, I think. And yet they've managed to contrive to not win in a few games. Are they going to be our biggest rival, Manchester City, still? It's, it's, uh, I still think it's too soon to say. Um, and here's, you know me, boring old Stato. Um, but I think if we, hang on, let me just adjust this slightly because the games last year were slightly different. Um, they're not as bad off as you think versus where they were last year. Mm. They're only five points worse off. 
as are we. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's, when you look at it from that perspective, um, they can make that gap up. Um, they absolutely can. They're only five points behind uh, us. And obviously, and I, I, think think the, this... I think the different dimension this year is Liverpool. Um, and I think this Liverpool team, to me, uh, has more experience than us. Uh, they feel a lot like we did last season. Um, we may concede two, but we'll score three. Yeah. Um, but Liverpool have enough experience that that may be enough to get them over the line, by the way. That may well be enough to get them over the line. I think we're going to have to be exceptional. And this this Villa thing is an interesting side story, and I don't think we should ignore it. Mm, I will say this. I think um, there's something not quite right in Manchester City. I think I think that's true, but I, I, th- I think it's ridiculous for us to to think they've got no shot. But I also think that you can't underestimate missing KDB. If we were without Martin Odegaard for the whole season, we'd we'd be five points less well off as well. Um, they've also traditionally um, better finishers than openers, so you know you can easily see they're, they're the one team, really, who's capable of going on a 10-12 game winning streak to do that. So I agree. I think it's too early to write them off. But I do think that there's something about uh, the hunger uh, from last season, uh, the new players, the slightly wonky uh, squad build-up that, that puts them at a bit of a disadvantage. Liverpool, on the other hand, I think Liverpool, if I was if I was betting on us or Liverpool, I would bet on Liverpool. Yeah. Because you've got Alisson, you've got Trent, you've got uh, Van, Van Dijk, Van. you've got Salah all of whom have won the Premier League, all of whom have won the Champions League. All, all of whom have been close to finish. Like, let's not forget, they got to 98 points and didn't win the league. Like, And and I still feel like I'm more scared about going to Anfield than I think they are about coming to the Emirates because yeah. they've come to the Emirates and beaten us time and time again. We have a phobia when it comes to Anfield. I am personally terrified about next week because... Last season, in fact, made it even worse because it just, I mean, that for me was the moment we lost the league because, and, and, and everyone will go, no, it was the game against uh, West Ham. It was the game against Southampton. But I had to trust my emotions. And even though it was a two-all, it felt like a defeat. Sometimes a draw a, feels like a win, but this was a yeah, draw was, that felt like a defeat and it could have been worse. Oh, um, God. I mean, I was, that, that game at the end, I felt like we'd lost seven two. Like honestly, it was. Um, look, I'm completely with you. I've of the age where that place gives me the EBGBs. Um, my happy place is that Perez goal in two thousand. That absolute screamer. Like that genuinely, was. that is my happy place at any moment in my life. I need to go and think. Oh, I think about Bobby scoring that goal at Anfield. But um, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's it's it's. It's going to next weekend is going to be a really, really important moment in this side's journey. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. We, we absolutely can't lose. Um, a draw at this stage of the season is probably a good result, I think. Honestly, um, get in and out of there unharmed with a point, fucking take it. I agree because one of the things that I'm beginning to worry about the first the team news came out. I think everyone looked at that team today and said that's our first choice team, but. We're really, really thin at the back, especially. Yeah. We're sort of thin all over. We're, uh, missing, yeah. we're missing Jorginho today, um, who, who who gives us a bit of depth in the middle. And then defensively, you know, no Timber, obviously, no Tommy Yasu. 
Um, you know, those are those are big misses when it comes, especially when it comes to like closing out a team, because suddenly it means Zinchenko has to play all 90 after 70. He just starts making a lot more errors, it feels like. It's a is it fitness, is it concentration? Don't know what it is, but it's it's real. Uh, yeah. and so We're three days now. What's your um what's your understanding on uh Tommy's injury? It's a calf strain. So I think the expectation is he will be back in February after the Asian Cup because he's got the Asian Cup, which goes on at the same time as AFCON. And then we lose. There has been rumours that Thomas Partey could be fit for Anfield. But, I mean, you don't start him. No, you don't start him. And so I think it's... He's I got think, the Jorginho role where you're hopefully closing out a game with a double pivot, right? I mean, that's Well, pretty- I think what we're basically saying is we've now got seven days and we've just got to, and it's going to be the same first eleven as today. There is no one else yeah. that yeah. can come in. We've got David Raya, we've got uh, Zinchenko and, and White, Saliba and Gabriel, Rice, Havertz, and Erdegaard, and then our, our our front three. Who you know, this continuity is what we did last season. It will you will burn out, but it does allow you the chance to get more in the rhythm when you're playing the first eleven every week. So it may not be a bad thing. And I think at this time of year, where it is easy to drop points because you are playing every three days, is the time you do it. You know, Um, for me, I think that makes it does make absolutely does make sense. The bench does does scare me. We've got what? How many days between that and West? Well, we're now playing uh, West Ham on the twenty eighth. So we've got a five-day five break, days. That's pretty which is actually which is actually fantastic to get yeah. that, and and yeah. everyone else is we playing on Boxing Day. We can get a few more back in and on the bench for a home game against West Ham. Hopefully, they they're going through a bit of a you know they've had a good result today, by the way. <laughs> so what what was their result today? They beat Wolves three 0 Yeah, yeah, they're dangerous. Really good performance, but. Less so on the road for them, I feel. Look, if we can get a couple of early goals against them, close out a nice nice game. But look, way bigger fish to fry before them. Can't get ahead of ourselves. No. And then we've got uh, December the twenty, uh, December the 31st, Fulham away. Traditionally, happy hunting ground for us. Uh, but their team, but they're, on, they're, they're on much better form and they've really been firing in recent weeks. They've, they've been in some, in some phenomenal form. Um uh, so, you know, they should have beaten Liverpool at Anfield. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Um, I think we all agree we need to set, central midfield needs some bolstering and January may have to be something we something we look at. Um, and Douglas Louise, we've heavily been, been heavily linked with for a long time. So I'm convinced that's a player that he definitely wants. Don't know whether that happens or not. Yeah. But um, there was a rumour floating around the other day. First time I've heard it. He's already, He was supposed to have left already. But what do you reckon of Paulinho? I don't think I can't see it happening. Okay, um, he's not. He's not. Doesn't. I think it's just the wrong profile because I think he's I 27, 28. Yeah, he's not the right profile for us. Uh, and it's sort of in between. Like I think Jorginho worked because he was older. Yeah. Um, but what do I know? You know, I think there's there's something that. But I think the reality is the the defensive situation that we have means that a defender is going to be prioritised over anything else, because we are literally well. Cedric Suarez played right back against Eindhoven. He actually did well, but we're, with you. I think we're, we're one injury away from Cedric Suarez playing 10 games at right back. Um, and we'll probably have to play in the FA Cup. 
and 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 some other moments like that. Um, so you know, Tommy Assey's out, Timber's out. Imagine we're playing Saliba every game now, which I, is exactly no, what I, we did last season and broke him. Broke him. Look, um, Zinchenko hard. can't play ninety. So I think it's I think defense is frustratingly because I'd rather be adding something more offensively. But hopefully, um, you know, get Smith Rowe came off the bench today. Um, it was I good to see think, him back. I actually think that's why he tried Declan at centre half because if he could get him as cover there, and he brings in another central midfielder, right? You've covered the. You've kind of covered yourself off for a couple of months. Until he got some players back, you can. I just think Declan Rice is our best player. So why would no, you? I, I, oh, I agree with you. I agree. Why, why would you? Why I think would you do both. I think the problem with the defender is it's going to be hard to find. I don't think he wants to sign someone permanently. I think when you look at who you've got coming back, I think that's that's an area that he probably feels he's got enough coming through. Um, so is there someone on the loan market? that could actually have the right level of impact. I think that's the real issue. Availability in January is always going to be a problem for any player that you're looking for. Yeah. So currently as we stand, um, and this may change in the next 60 minutes or so, we are top of the league. Uh, We have played uh, 17 games, won 12, drawn three, lost two. Neither of those should have been defeats, let's be honest. We got absolutely robbed. 39 points. Um, two games until the halfway stage of the season. Um, so the most we can get by the halfway point is 45 points. Um, that would be an incredible haul to land on 45. Last season, remember, incredibly, we ended up 50 points from the first 19 games. We were on a clip for a 100-point season. Uh, we ended up in the second half of the season getting a 35-point season, which wasn't enough to win the league. But it's it's definitely getting spicy um and 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 you've got to be impressed by how we've put this season together so far totally and i think look the the story of the season is really interesting um because i think we all feel it as well right we feel we've got this better foundation if you 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 talk through the league table there you look at the goal difference you look at the goals scored and the goals conceded we have the um equal best uh defense as it stands um right now having conceded 15 goals all season we've scored 35 um but Look across the league, um, Liverpool have scored 36, Villa have scored 37, City have scored 40, Spurs have scored 35, Newcastle have scored 36. So our defence is doing it this year. Yeah, that's the big No one else was scoring this many goals last season. That's very consistent for a top six. And these are defences winning it for us this season. And you do feel like the defense, that the offensively we're ready to click. Like it does feel like like today could have been four nil, yeah, uh, could have been five nil. Last week could have been two one win. There's there's more goal. We're creating more goals than we're than we're currently seeing. And you know, take out those the Luton game was insane, but take out those three goals. You know, that that really skewed the stats from a yeah. defensively. It's the first time we've conceded right. three goals in a very very long time. But we're going into the turn now, so this is it. We're um, we're about to hit the downhill stretch. Um, so we'll know we'll know in the next few weeks what what this what metal this team's got. I know, I know. I feel like um, next week is just such a such a massive, massive game, an opportunity to put the trauma of last season to one side, uh, to put out a marker, uh, to establish a lead at the top of the table. 
Um, I think this is a really interesting point. Liverpool to Man U is what we did to Brighton. Goal seems inevitable, but football gods. Liverpool have had all the luck this season. They've reminded us a little bit of us last season, yeah. where they just managed to find a way. And two know, in the last minute, wasn't it against? Uh, that was last weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and 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 absolutely insane. So so we will see. But I think all in all today, um, a phenomenal. Five-star performance, really. There were a couple of nerves at the end, but um, we got the job done. It was always going to be tricky after losing last week. Um, but yeah, tell us, uh, just before we go, um, let's, let's get a prediction, uh, an early prediction for uh, for the Liverpool game next week. I, I, I really think it will be a 1-1. I, I know two teams that like to score. I think it's going to be quite a quite an intense game, but I think it'll be one-one. Wow! Yeah, I will. Uh, I will. I will take that. James Curry thinks we're going to win uh, two-nil. Um, I think it's going to be. A, uh, my money's on two-two at the moment, and another heart in the mouth sort of game. I'm going to go for a draw. I will take a draw right now. Yep. Some people say never take a draw if you're Arsenal, but. I think given the state of the season, given that we're playing them away, given that we'll be playing them at home in February, I will take the draw. But Ash, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Um, It's been a a thoroughly enjoyable day. We can go and sit on the sofa, um, watch the end of the game, uh, be weirdly supporting Manchester United, but also laughing at them if they get stuffed as well. So it's the best of both worlds, isn't it? Yeah, well, exactly. It's it's one of those games where you hope the caterers got their masterclass from the made, man that made lasagna for, for the spuds all those years ago. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, uh, thank you, Ash, for joining us. And um, remember, everyone, we will be doing a Before the Whistle Patreon in the week. We will be live and on the whistle for Sunday. So um, until then, uh, ciao for now. Podcast Network.